Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. We live in a very divided world. More than likely, the world and our country is more divided than you have ever seen it in your whole life. These divisions can be both scary and unsettling at times as we think about the future. Yet, followers of Jesus Christ can have confidence that the kingdom of God is not divided, and therefore our future is safe and secure. Daniel chapter 4 offers us an interesting contrast between the unstable and prideful kingdom of man and the rock-solid kingdom of God. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, The New World Won't Last Very Long. Well, over the past couple of weeks, I spoke with two different people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus. And at this conference I was at the last two days, I actually had a similar conversation with many people. Now, the difference among these two people that I talked to and the difference among some of the people that I spoke to over the last two days was they were followers of Jesus, but they had something in common. Let's just talk about the two people I spoke with. Both of them were afraid of the government. Specifically, both of them were afraid of the president. Here's the difference. One was afraid of President Trump, and the other was afraid of President Biden. Both followers of Jesus, both afraid of the president, but afraid of different presidents. Doesn't take anybody with much intelligence to understand that our country is politically divided, our institutions are divided, our churches are very divided on this. A lot of it depends upon whether you're in the city or you're in the suburbs or you know, where you come from. A lot of different things are in play here. Some of our friendships have divided over politics. Uh, some of our families are divided. But let me assure you of one thing. Heaven is not divided on this issue. Daniel has been in Babylon for about 30 years now. We're doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Daniel. And after 30 years, perhaps he and some of the people of God who've been there with him that long have given up on getting back home to Jerusalem. Now, the people of God have been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon due to their unbelief. They are now went from living in what was supposed to be uh, the holy city, but they had allowed other religious views to kind of infect them. And now they're living in a full-on pagan world. No doubt, uh, many of them were suffering, confused, afraid. And for many of them, like it is for many of us right now in our world, it is a time of questioning. A lot of people are wondering, is God with us? Is God still at work? Will we see God work again? And you know, the, the older I get, I notice with followers of Jesus that as people do get older in the Lord, they're looking less for the power of God. The new believers and the young people, they're looking for the power of God. And the older people, they're more looking for the presence of God, the peace of God. That's why we need both in a church. 
We need the young people to say, oh, God's got the power. He's going to do it. And we need the, young, the older people to say yes. And let's always be mindful of the, of the presence of God. While many people, and I have to say I was one of them for years up until a couple of weeks ago, think that Daniel 4 is really about pride, I've totally changed my view. I think it's more about building confidence in God's people about the sovereignty of God, about the control of God over the world. I believe that each chapter in Daniel has a main theme with several sub-themes, and I think the main theme that God is the, and the point God's going to make to us is that he gives kingdoms and governments to whoever he wants. Should we still vote? Yes. Should some of us be more involved in the political process? Probably, yes. Do we all need to continue to trust God? Oh, yes, indeed. Our series from the book of Daniel is called Living in a New World. Why are we calling it that? Because like Daniel was taken out of his world and into the new world of Babylon, out of Jerusalem, all the way down hundreds of miles to Babylon in just a quick change of a moment's notice. Now it's been a long time. This new world that we're living in right now has come upon us very quickly, very quickly. And, it, and it's changing and it's changing. You know it's changing quickly when, as I had experienced yesterday, when you're talking to a 23-year-old youth leader and he's like, these kids today. <laughs> I mean, you know this, we are changing at, at just warp speed. Things are, are really going crazy. But today's message is, this new world will not last very long. That is the message, and I pray it comforts you. I pray it unites us in the joy of the sovereignty, the control over the affairs of the world. And remember, God is sovereign over a world and control of a world where much of what happens in the world he is in control of, he hates, which shows you how powerful he is. You know, when everybody seems like they're working against your plan, usually your plan does not come together, but God's plan will come together despite the sin of this world. Last week, in verses one through three, we saw how wicked King Nebuchadnezzar, remember what a wicked guy he's been so far? You know, you don't like what I say, I'll throw you in the fire. You don't like what I say, I'll cut you into pieces. I'll chop your house down. You don't like what I say, I'll conquer your city. I'll cut your eyes out. I'll do whatever I gotta take to you, do to get my job done or do whatever I want. But this wicked king was looking back at how God changed him. Now he's going to tell us the story. So this week and next week, he's gonna tell us the story. So let's pick it up in verse four. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest, some of your versions say at ease, in my house and flourishing in my palace. Some versions say I was contented in my palace. How many of you would like to be content? That's like, that's like the only thing I want in life is to be content. I don't, the rest of the stuff is fine. Another version says he was prospering in his palace. Then in verse five, his mood changes like that. I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions in my head troubled me. Another version says, it alarmed me or it terrified me. So what's going on? Life was really good for the king. After all these years of fighting, the empire is kind of calm. There's no war. 
the economy is good. You know, it's time to, you know, just to sit out by the pool or sit out on the porch or something like that with a nice cool drink and be like, wow, man, things are, things are really going good. Things are really going good. And so he's there and, and perhaps there's some symbolism here. He's uh, at rest in my house, he says. You know, things, things were good at home. Things were, things were peaceful. Everybody's getting along. It's really, it's really great. And he also says, I was flourishing in, in my palace. What would that be? Things were good on the job. Things were good on the job. In other words, the future is just completely bright. You know that old song, if you're old, you know it. If you're young, you have no idea. The future's so bright, I have to wear shades, right? So you're just like, man, this is going great. Everything's going well. We're having such a great time. There's nothing to worry about. No stress, no pain, no nothing. But then in verse five, one night, he just goes to bed and he has this dream, and, and his dream life all of a sudden turns into a nightmare. And this dream disrupts everything in his life. And, and it totally terrifies him. Do you ever have a dream, a bad dream, and you wake up and you go, oh, oh, it's just a dream, just a dream. And you turn over and you go back to sleep. But sometimes you have a dream and you wake up and you can't shake it. And you can't go back to sleep. And you keep thinking about it. And your thinking now is worse than your dream. And it's going on and on, especially if you go to bed with something really heavy uh, on your heart. And, and so this is what happens to him. It disrupts everything. And, and the thoughts are just getting worse and worse. And his spirit is just completely troubled. That's life, this side of heaven. Life can be going so incredibly well for you. And then all of a sudden, like that, it turns on a dime, a phone call, a visit to the doctor, an email, a conversation with someone, a car accident. So many different things can happen and your peace can be so amazingly shattered in a moment, it doesn't take much. Verse six said, after going through this the next day or maybe even in the middle of the night, who knows with this guy, therefore I had issued a decree. You know, every time Nebuchadnezzar something goes on, he issues a decree. Everybody run to me. I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, some versions say the mediators, uh, the medium, sorry, uh, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers, or some versions, the astrologers and the diviner priests came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. Now, he had a dream in chapter two, but then he, same thing, calls in the dream interpreters, but there, he didn't tell them the dream. This time, I guess he figures, well, they can't, they can't figure it out without me telling them, so he tells them the dream, and we're told that they couldn't interpret the dream. But remember, we said this is kind of Nebuchadnezzar telling his side of the story, perhaps talking to Daniel about it. Uh, perhaps the, the people heard the dream and said, oh, no, we know what this one means. You tell them. I ain't tell them. You tell them. I ain't telling them. And they just said, sorry, we don't know what it means because they're afraid that who knows what this guy's going to do when he finds out what this dream actually means. So what does he do in verse 8? In verse 8, he brings in the man. 
he brings in the expert. Now, we wonder why Daniel wasn't there before. Maybe Daniel just slept through the decree. I don't know. Or maybe they had to bring him in from somewhere. It says, verse 8, but at last Daniel came in before me. His name is Belteshazzar. That would be his Babylonian name, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the musicians. So he's been there for 30 years. He's the chief of all of them. What does that tell us? He's a good employee. Because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you. Now, some of your versions, if you have a different version, it says holy gods. The H is not capitalized. It's plural with a little g. What does little g mean? That's a punk God. And and capital God is the God. Little g is a punk God. Now you know what it's like to be in youth group. And so, and then the, the punk gods, plural, and no secret troubles you, Daniel. In other words, one version says, no mystery is too difficult for you. Nothing puzzles you, Daniel. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. So, The king, after not getting anywhere with his guys, brings in the man of God. And so Daniel's been really in his court, a good employee for 30 years. You know, many of you are out in the working world, and you know that a lot of people care nothing about your faith. Zero. But they care about how you work. They care about that you're not leaving, you know, Oh, where are you going on Wednesday night so quick? Oh, you know, off to Bible study. Please finish my work for me. God bless you. Like, they're not, they're not into that. They're not into that. They don't like cold dinner because you didn't finish your work. And so they're, they're, Daniel's work is good, no doubt. He's been a loyal servant, a loyal employee. And it's not always the truth, but it generally is the truth. If, if people like you, if people respect you, if you're willing to listen to people, you can get a lot of people to listen to you. Not always, but it happens a lot. So Daniel, the man of God, shows up, and we're told a couple times, in him is the spirit of the holy God. Now you say, well, my version says the holy gods. Now Bible scholars debate which it is, but Nebuchadnezzar knows this, that with Daniel, there is some relationship between Daniel and the divine. Somehow, Daniel has a connection to the unseen world. So whether it is the actual living God that Nebuchadnezzar is talking about or these fake gods, which Nebuchadnezzar believes exist, they don't really exist, but he knows that Daniel is, if you will, a light in a dark world. He knows that Daniel has, has a connection with the unseen world. And this is what made Daniel different. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. But for, for to my Christian friends, or you're watching online, but to, to my Christian friends that are here, this is what makes you different. You have access to the heart and mind of God. You can actually commune with God. You can open up his word. You can talk to him. You can say, what is it that you, that you mean by this? What is it that you're trying to do? Or what's going on here? And so you have a certain connection with the unseen world that other people do not have. 
And so as we study the word of God, the, the spirit of the holy God, which we know is the Holy Spirit, Galatians calls, it the spirit, calls him the spirit of Jesus. We can call him God, the Holy Spirit, who is inside everybody who puts their trust in Jesus, will actually help you understand what God is saying through his word and will give you the heart of God for the world. Remember, we are not to be cul-de-sacs of grace. We are not to be like where the grace comes into us and dies in us. It comes into us and then goes through us to other people. And that's what Daniel is. Now, a lot of times you say, yeah, I try to talk to people, but they don't understand what I'm talking about. They just don't, they don't get a clue what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean you don't stop. You don't stop. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let me give you a verse that explains it to you. you many of you know this, many of you don't. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man, that, that, is, that is someone who lives without the Holy Spirit. They have not put their trust in Jesus. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That's why when you talk to certain people about the things of God, they're like, what are you going on about? Like, what are you talking about? You're nuts. You're crazy. Uh, when I read this verse, I remember as a new believer, I read this verse. I was like, oh, wow, this makes sense. Like, this is why everybody thinks I'm a total nut job. Other people said, no, Jim, that's not why we think you're a total nut job. You're just adding to the reasons why we think you're a nut job. But they're foolishness to him. Look at this. Nor can he know them can't even understand them without the spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. So the things of God are spiritually discerned. How does God break through that in people? I'm telling you, man, when people think that they know, I'm just like, sure, sure. You know, it's really hard to know that, how that all works together. That all works together. So we do know that, that when we present the gospel to people, some people will believe, some people will not. How that all works, I know some of you have got to figure it out. I don't. You know, I, the, I, the more I study, the less I know. All I know is my role, your role, we tell people. That's what we do. We tell people. Paul says, I plead with you to be reconciled to God. Then what does he do? He goes home and sleeps like a baby. Doesn't worry about it. Now it's, now it's between them and God. Verse 10, now we get to hear the dream. He says, these were the visions of my head while on my bed. So he's, he's, ten, he's telling them we, we go into, you know, he's there lying in bed. I was looking, so he's, he's dreaming. I was looking and behold a tree in the midst, or maybe this is the vision afterwards. It's a little complicated. A, a tree in the midst of the earth. And so this, there's this big tree in the middle of the earth, and its height was great. So here you have this tree in the middle of the earth. It's centrally located, and it's large. So think Babylonian empire. We said in weeks before, as far as the eye could see, he's controlling everything. He's the most powerful man. He's controlling everything in the known world. Hint, he's the tree in the middle, or the, at least originally, maybe we could say the empire is the tree, and it's in the middle of the world. So he is the center of the world. You know anybody who thinks they're the center of the world? Oh, they're such a joy to be around, aren't they? 
Just really, it's, it's all about me. And, you know, life is bordered on the north, south, east, and west by me. And you're like, this is a joy. So I digress. Verse 11, the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens. And we're probably supposed to think of the Tower of Babel from the book of Genesis, symbolic of the pride of man and the defiance of man towards God. And it could be seen or it was visible to the ends of the earth. Again, picture the Babylonian empire reaching to the far ends of the earth. Verse 12, its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and it it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Some versions say every creature, all living beings. So everything in the Babylonian empire, from his point of view, was going really well. One thing that people, empires, always forget is you can take over a country, you can give them a good economy, you you can keep everybody well-fed, but people like to rule themselves, don't they? People, countries like their own freedom. And so he thought everything's going great. It was fabulous. Verse 13 tells us why he's afraid. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, And there was a watcher, a holy one. Let's stop right there. What is is a watcher? Some some versions say an observer. Some versions say a, a messenger. We probably think of it as an angel. And he says, coming down from heaven. So someone from the unseen world comes into his world. He cried aloud, verse 14, and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. So how's the Babylonian empire looking right now? Not too good. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. So what's happening? The tree is being judged. The Babylonian empire is going to be judged as we'll see as we go further in the book. So Nebuchadnezzar is afraid because he realizes his dream is about him and the Babylonian empire. And it's going to be chopped down. Why? Well, because heaven has seen this empire has not lived up to the word of God. Now, here's an unusual thing that happens in the Bible. God's people rebel, and God uses nations to go in there and chastise them and discipline them. But he doesn't send them in there to brutalize them. He's like, you're going to go in, you're going to conquer the place, take them captive, I'm going to teach them a lesson, Then I'm going to return him to the land. That's the plan that God has. But God's not like, I want you to go in there and brutalize them. But this is what happens a lot of times. So these nations, they go in, they brutalize them. So not only now God's people are in trouble for their sin, so is the brutalizing nation. And so what's happening? Nebuchadnezzar is being warned. He's being warned about a lot of stuff that's going on in the empire. He's being warned about a lot of the stuff that he does. But for now, the tree looks really good. Do you know anybody who just, they are so far from God. They don't live at all. They're completely dishonest. They don't do anything that they're supposed to do. They are mean, rotten, nasty people. And they seem like everything's going great for them. They seem like they are being blessed beyond measure. 
Their, their world is just so wonderful. Everything is great. Looks like they're being blessed. They, they make lots of promises, promises they can't or, or won't keep. That's kind of like Nebuchadnezzar. And right now, he is being warned about the way his nation is and about the way he is. Now, let me make a few enemies. To be honest... This scares me about the church in America. I'm very much afraid of what goes on in our church. There's few, if any, prophetic warnings anymore. It's all about how wonderful everything's going to be, how good everything is going to be. And then we wonder why people walk away from God because God never said everything was going to go great. The apostles said, through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. What do you think that means? I think that means through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. I don't know. I'm not as smart as some of you, but I, I, I figure that's what, that's, that's what that means. It means what it says. And then a lot of people just, they don't, they don't they're like, well, I tried it. It didn't work for me. I, I suffered. I had difficulty. It didn't, it didn't work. So I, I'm out of here with this. But that's the message that's out there a lot. There's no prophetic warning. The, the Bible often is the warning of here is the warning. You've sinned against God. You need to repent. You need to turn to him. You need to come. But now the message in so many places is just come. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.